Force be with you, and welcome to the second episode of the Sky Guy Show, home of the Star Killers. I'm your host, the Phantom Menace, Jeff Palmaccio, and you can follow me on Twitter at Long Island 1892. You can follow the show at the Sky Guy Show, and you can listen exclusively on the Fourth Wall Pop Network. For the second episode, I really wanted to rank all the Star Wars films. I think that's a great place to start as we continue this exploration of a galaxy far far away i also wanted to do so because when the third episode comes out i will actually be flying to galaxy's edge aka walt disney world for my bachelor party so i think it'd be really fun that i preview and kind of give a synopsis of each entry in the star wars saga prior to sharing my experience with hopefully a vlog as well about going to Galaxy's Edge coming up later this month. Also not to mention May 4th is Star Wars Day, which is next Wednesday. So shout out to that. I'm not sure how I want to break down this ranking system, but I think what I want to do is I want to start with my least favorite Star Wars film and then work up to my favorite Star Wars film. I think doing it that way you'll really get a sense of what I don't like and what I do like and what makes Star Wars special to me. And maybe what it doesn't at the same time. So in essence, we're going to save the best for last. Just to throw it out there, I'm going to use the anthology films in a separate ranking system because they're not part of the Skywalker saga in the same way. But I do think they add so much to the story overall And I think Solo in particular is severely underrated. But out of the anthology films, Rogue One is definitely an amazing entry in the Star Wars film series. If you haven't seen Rogue One or aren't familiar with it, Rogue One is the story of how the Rebel Alliance got the plans of the Death Star. And that really makes A New Hope so much more impactful because it is a prequel while also being a standalone film while being a midquel in a way because obviously we do have the prequel trilogy itself. This is true for both of those anthology films. They kind of take place in the middle of the prequel trilogy and of the original trilogy. But one thing that can be said is the success of Rogue One is continued to be seen by the addition and the announcement of the Disney Plus Andor series, which is going to be exciting. And I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. I really can't wait. And I'm so ready for Kenobi, as I'm sure we all are. I just really can't wait to see how they use Hayden Christensen, if he'll be Vader, if he'll be a flashback, how they'll do it, if Ahsoka will be in it. There's so many possibilities if Cal Kestis will be in it. I mean, you can go on and on about the directions and where they're going in this story. And I think that they'll learn from the Book of Boba Fett's missteps and they'll be able to really capitalize on the successes like they saw with the Mandalorian in a similar fashion. At least that's what I hope for Kenobi coming up later in the month of May.
Speaking more, though, on Solo, Solo is really underrated. I really like L337, and I really enjoyed the little nuances and little details at how they were connecting the dots from the myth of Han Solo and telling his actual story. I will say, though, how he got his last name that I was not a fan of. And I did love the inclusion of Kira. I loved the inclusion of Crimson Dawn and kind of this underseed belly of the Empire because you have to think if the Galactic Empire is enforcing this totalitarian rule across the universe that there has to be other criminals working against them and not a freedom-fighting, rebellious, you know, way like we see throughout the Resistance and the Rebellion, but like that criminal underbelly. So I think that that was great to see. I think what happened with Solo, though, was people were going in not knowing what to expect and people were going in with certain ways and interpretations of Han Solo now were defined in ways that weren't before and nobody necessarily agreed on that definition. That being said though, I do have a pair of Han Solo's dice hanging in my car right now. So you can say I definitely still enjoyed it. For an honorable mention too, I will also include the animated Clone Wars movie. It really served as an extended pilot for the series and the series overall is a work of art. So in a way, I kind of consider that part of the series. It's almost like three episodes or four episodes in one. But nonetheless, it was a standalone theatrical release. And I think that it showed that the story of Star Wars can be told in multiple mediums, including animation, as we've continued to see that through the Clone Wars, through the Bad Batch, and through Rebels. And now here we go for the real nine major films of the Skywalker saga. What my ranking is going to be. Maybe the first episode when I shared my favorite Jedi Sith non-Force user and droid might have given us a little bit of an inclination as to where this ranking list and tier list, if you will, is going to go. My least favorite Star Wars film is probably not a surprise to many, but it's Attack of the Clones. I will say when I rewatched episode two as an adult, I liked it a lot more than I, when I was a child and when it came out. However, for really like the 15 years in between, or like even more, the film always, I just remember, watching The Phantom Menace, then going to watch Attack of the Clones, and right when they get to see the clones, I fell asleep. Almost every time. I wake up again when it's Count Dooku's battle with Anakin and Obi-Wan before Yoda, and then, naturally, I see the ending but that film never really resonated with me because I think like so many of us, we were anticipating and waiting for Revenge of the Sith to finally see Anakin Skywalker become the infamous Darth Vader. Not to mention a lot of the Attack of the Clones action figures had like action gimmicks and they weren't just like 
posable action figures. So that was a big deterrent for me. I was a big Power of the Force fan. And even now, as I mentioned, I'm re-putting together my Power of the Force collection. I believe my OT one is near complete. Going to move on to episode one soon. Which brings me to my next least favorite Star Wars movie. So one that I like better than Attack of the Clones. In the eighth position is The Phantom Menace. While The Phantom Menace is my namesake and inspired many, The Phantom Menace to me, I think, lacks a lot of the heart that a lot of the other movies do. And the emotional connections that people make within The Phantom Menace really are just because they're nostalgic of the original trilogy, not for The Phantom Menace itself, in my opinion. That being said, though, the hype of The Phantom Menace was incredibly real. And I remember there was nothing like being a kid and being excited to see Darth Maul's dual-bladed lightsaber, remembering the Duel of Fates. And it really was my first cinematic experience with Star Wars. So I think that made it so impressionable on me, but that doesn't necessarily mean I think it's the best Star Wars movie. And that's what I think really this ranking is really doing. I'm approaching this ranking from someone who loves the art form of movie making and storytelling and who also loves all Star Wars. In actuality, you could throw on any Star Wars movie and I'll watch it. I'm not actually going to not watch certain ones. And I it really bothers me when growing up, some fans would say, oh, the prequel trilogy is there. Who cares about them? And now, same thing with the sequel trilogy. Eh, who cares about them? Or even the animated shows. Eh, who cares about them? In actuality, they're all part of one continuous story. Does Disney own them now? Yes. Has Disney had a partnership with George Lucas since the 80s? Also, yes. Their collaboration should not be indicative of someone's ability to enjoy the content that they're producing. And that you can tell if some people don't like the sequel trilogy... You got to ask yourself, do you really not like the sequel trilogy or are you looking at it through rose-colored glasses? That being said, the next entry for me is Return of the Jedi. Now, as a kid, Return of the Jedi was my favorite, but that was only for one specific reason. Return of the Jedi was my favorite as a kid because you saw Darth Vader take off his mask. That was it. After that scene, or rather everything before that scene, was not really my favorite. In actuality, we'll get to what my favorite Star Wars was. But, Return of the Jedi, when looking back on it, even now, is the most kid-friendly to me. I don't know. It's very similar to The Phantom Menace in the sense that you have the Ewoks and you have Jar Jar and you have these gags played for laughs, but also at the same time you have really serious story beats, whether it's 
Luke facing and redeeming Darth Vader or Qui-Gon Jinn discovering the Chosen One in Anakin Skywalker, you see a beginning and an end to Darth Vader's story in those two films. And it establishes Darth Vader's legacy going forward. Next on the list is The Rise of Skywalker, the last entry in the Star Wars saga, a film that was heavily criticized by many. I really enjoyed The Rise of Skywalker. Is it my favorite uh, Star Wars movie? Absolutely not. Do I love how everything happened? Absolutely not. But do I love how the phrase that George Lucas said that the story needs to rhyme and that's exactly what The Rise of Skywalker did? Absolutely. Do I think the visuals in The Rise of Skywalker were tremendous? Absolutely. Do I love the arc that Ben Solo went on? Absolutely. Do I love the inclusion of all the voices that Rey heard becoming the Jedi? Yes. And like all the other Star Wars film titles, do I love the double meaning of the rise of Skywalker? You better believe it. And I know it's controversial. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. But again, and I'm going to speak more on this, obviously, because we have two more entries in the sequel trilogy and two more entries in the original trilogy to rank. But I want you to keep in mind what I just mentioned about Return of the Jedi and the legacy of Darth Vader and how that legacy of Darth Vader was really put on full display in The Rise of Skywalker. Even the symbolism of Kylo Ren reforging his mask together and putting it back on. Think about that. It is the opposite of Luke showing us Anakin's face, but it's Ben hiding his face under the mask of Kylo Ren. Now, the next favorite film for me is The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi, I remember the hype. I remember the excitement for it. The Last Jedi is so fun for me because it was unlike any Star Wars movie I really had ever seen. It was deep. It was serious. It was... It still had your comic relief moments and the porgs, but it was different. And I loved it because Ryan Johnson was able to tell his story. Again, the legacy of Star Wars. Imagine if you or I or anyone listening, anyone in the galaxy far, far away, had an opportunity to tell their Star Wars story, their interpretation of this folklore that has become part of our general consciousness of society as Star Wars. Imagine having that ability to put your stamp on the story. And I think that's why people have gone to really appreciate The Mandalorian and The Clone Wars and really anything Filoni and Favreau touch because it's as though they took their action figures from their childhood and said, all right, what if we actually made this into some sort of consumable content and added to the story. And I think in many ways, Ryan Johnson did the same thing with The Last Jedi. 
he played around with the notion that what would happen if Luke lost his path. And I think that even Luke Skywalker in general, and you see this story unfold and who he's become, I think it humanizes Luke Skywalker. And I think even he goes through a point of redemption when he thinks that he's failed himself because we see him fail his nephew, Ben, and allowing him to be seduced as his father was into becoming Kylo Ren. But we also see him challenge him consistently in challenging who he's taking authority from. And then that pivotal moment when Snoke is killed. And in that moment, in that throne room scene, and I don't care who you are, the fight choreography in that scene is beautiful. That's what fight choreography should be. We are continuing to see the influences of so many other films and genres in Star Wars, making this space opera a fantasy that's simply out of this world. But The Last Jedi, I think, is a film that is so controversial. And it was so controversial for so many different reasons. But just because it was controversial doesn't mean it was bad. I think that makes it that much better. I mean, how often is The Last Jedi trending on Twitter for no apparent reason? That's because people are still talking about it after all of these years. I think that says a lot. Similarly, and next on my ranking, is Revenge of the Sith. And I think Revenge of the Sith Episode 3 is really George Lucas at his best. It really is his storytelling full on display. That is the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker. It's the tragedy of Padme Amidala. It's the tragedy of Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's the tragedy of the galaxy. You are seeing what happens when good people, well-intentioned people, passionate people are persuaded to the dark side of the force and how those you thought had your best interests, like Chancellor Palpatine, really turn out to be a Sith Lord. And what happens? How does that play into people's loyalties as we've seen with the clones and their execution of Order 66, by which the Emperor ordered the clones to kill all the Jedi. We even see Darth Vader killing younglings, children, Padawans, like he once was, searching for their place in the galaxy and he strikes them down. We see this, and we see the clones do it unremorsefully. They're tapped into it like this hive mind controlled by the force and that is a tragedy on full display that is the true definition of a space opera and it is so rewarding that revenge of the sith is finally entering this moment of a renaissance period where people are able to appreciate the work that george lucas ewan mcgregor hayden christensen ian mcdermott samuel l jackson Natalie Portman, the list goes on and on of all the work that they all did to bring episode three to life and at the time close the saga. But we still have three more in this ranking.
I spoke on this during our pilot episode, so if you haven't listened, please go back and tune in. But my next favorite Star Wars is actually The Force Awakens. And you might say, huh? Why? Well, as I mentioned, I was able to see The Force Awakens on its premiere night with one of my best friends, Rami. This was his introduction to Star Wars, and it really showed him an escape to the galaxy far, far away. And he would unfortunately pass away in August of 2016. But... I was so happy that The Force Awakens was able to introduce a new story so those who were watching Star Wars for the first time like Rami didn't feel as though they were in the dark. But at the same time, you had Leia, you had Han, you had other characters in the story that connected it. And we see similarly as I mentioned in The Rise of Skywalker, how the story of Star Wars continues to rhyme throughout time. And was The Force Awakens a lot similar, or rather very similar to A New Hope? Absolutely. But it was a reintroduction of Star Wars to a whole new generation. And there are so many people who are going to grow up with Rey as their Luke or their Anakin. They're going to grow up and see Poe, Finn, and Rey as that trio that so many of us have identified as Han, Leia, and Luke. And that story is an evolution of Star Wars, and it's something to be celebrated. A true awakening of the Force. Speaking of A New Hope, my second favorite Star Wars film is the original Star Wars Episode Four. A New Hope. This was the first that I saw, first that many saw, the first that the whole world was introduced to Star Wars, and everything from John Williams' score to the two setting sons of Tatooine, the wondering if Han shot first, the journey that Luke goes on to discover that there is so much more than that provincial life on that moisture farm with his uncle and aunt in Tatooine. It really was an amazing experience and i think that what star wars a new hope does is it really does it it provides this sense of a new hope to anybody who feels as though they don't belong anybody who feels as though that there's something more out there it's a really important movie obviously without that one we wouldn't have all of these films we wouldn't have This podcast, there'd be so much in this world that would be so different if it wasn't for Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. And last but not least, the swan song of the Star Wars saga, my favorite, and I'm sure many of yours, Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. The bad guys won. I think that that is such a remarkable thing to do in film these days. To have the bad guys win. Few other times have the bad guys won in a film. And a lot of the times the reason why they do is because they were inspired by The Empire Strikes Back. A.K.A. I'm thinking about Avengers Infinity War. The big twist at the end with Vader being revealed as Luke's father. The training 
scenes on Dagobah, an introduction of Yoda, Lando Calrissian, and Sky City. There's so many things that are just rich with detail. The battle on Hoth, the carbonite scene with Han. There's so much development between Han and Leia. You see this story that is continuing to evolve. It went on after Luke destroyed the Death Star. The story continues. And it's showing us that the Empire did strike back. But I think also, and this is a question that really has come up in like a lot of more modern Star Wars circles, and I'll reach the topic again at a later date, but was the Jedi right? Was the Resistance right? Was the Rebellion right? Think of how many soldiers and their families lived on the Death Star that were destroyed at the end of A New Hope. Don't you think that the Empire would want to strike back just to play devil's advocate? That's why I think The Empire Strikes Back does so well. Because not only does it further demystify the Empire, but it shows you their might. And it shows you why it's so necessary for the Jedi to prevail. And, in this case, for Luke Skywalker to redeem his father back to the light. Well, you've heard it here. This has been my ranking of every Star Wars movie. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'll update it periodically through the show. Rankings change. I'm sure yours does too. If you want to share your ranking with mine, please find me on Twitter at Long Island 1892. You can find the show on Twitter at The Sky Guy Show, and you can listen exclusively on the Fourth Wall Pop Network. Hashtag make it pop. This has been your host, the Phantom Menace, Jeff Pomaccio, and may the Force be with us all.